What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is your man, Brandon Burroughs, a.k.a. Yasha the Beast, representing the Playmakers Radio. And we are back with NBA Clutch Time, Volume 2. Yes, I know I called it Volume 2, not Season 2. That's because I want to add a little flair to it. You know, NBA Street was one of my favorite games. But at any rate, we're going to get into that a little bit later. Anyways, this NBA season has been one hell of a season so far. Okay, the Clippers look beatable. The Lakers look unbeatable. Luka Doncic looks like almost a god out there on the basketball court. Giannis is showing why he's a Greek freak. And on top of it all, James Harden is making his case for being a top three scorer of all time. Listen, all I really have to say about this is... Y'all know what's coming. I'm going to get right into it. All right, so. First things first. Let's address this MVP race, shall we? So right now, the front runners for MVP are Giannis Antetokounmpo, James Harden, LeBron James, and Luka Doncic. Right? I think looking at the way... That the MVP race is being, um, how tight it is. Couple things that we got to get out of the way. Let's throw LeBron James out of there. First and foremost, okay, LeBron James is having a great, amazing 17th season. Okay, him and Kobe by far have played the best basketball, um, past year 15 out of anybody that I've ever seen. Point blank period, right? But right now, LeBron James isn't even the best player on the Lakers right now. Anthony Davis is. That's not saying that LeBron James is still not one of the five greatest players in the world right now. He is. However, okay, Anthony Davis is leaving is leading the Lakers in every single statistical category except for assists, which is then LeBron James. Why is he not one of the front runners for MVP? Why is he not in the top four? Why is he not in the top three? Why is it LeBron? I just don't understand how you're one of the front runners for league MVP if you're not the front front runner for your team's MVP. It just doesn't make sense to me. Now, next, we're going to move on and uh, look at James Harden, Luka Doncic, and Giannis. Let's look at their number two options for a second. James Harden, number two option, Russell Westbrook, right? A couple years ago, he was MVP, uh, perennial playoff player, three seasons in a row, triple doubles. Yeah, Harden has a bit more help than the other two. Let's get him out of the discussion for a second. Let's narrow this down to Luka and Giannis, Okay. Luka Doncic, his second best player right now is Kristaps Porzingis. Giannis, his second best player right now is Chris Middleton. You can kind of look at them and tell neither one of them is at 100%. Okay. Uh, However, look at how they are both playing. Giannis right now is the best um, forward in the league right now. He is playing like a madman, um, and 
the fact that the Bucks and the Lakers have the same exact record and they're both tied for, uh, you know, the best record in the NBA right now, and Chris Middleton is nowhere near LeBron James or Anthony Davis level, says a lot about Giannis. However, I am willing to say that right now, you know, throughout the last couple of years, Chris Middleton has been a better player than Chris Tasperzingis. Not by much. <laughs> They're really A and B, to be honest. But I'm I'm willing to give Chris Middleton the edge over Giannis or, or um over uh, Chris Tasperzingis. So with that being said, I'm gonna have Luka Doncic as number one right now in MVP um discussion, and it's simply because he's carrying the Dallas Mavericks on his back. The man is the only person in the league right now that is top 10 in points, rebounds, and assists. Dude is literally playing scary out there. Like, he's only 21, or he's only 20 years old, right? Like, when, when this was Jason Tatum last year, and Jason Tatum was making, you know, some amazing plays, they're like, oh, my God, he's only 20 years old. Yeah, well, Giannis is doing this against basically everybody. I mean, he's only 20 years old. He's not doing it against select teams. He's not doing it and then taking the next game and not going as hard. He's literally torching almost everybody. It's kind of scary. And I think, um, just for the sake of um, having some banter, per se, let's take a look at, you know, some of his advanced stats, right? So right now, like at this very moment, his true shooting percentage is a 61. A 61 true shooting percentage? His PR is a 31.5. Now, granted, he has a high usage percentage at 36, right? That's just pretty high. But already, okay, he has the highest offensive box plus minus, the highest box plus minus in the league right now, and the highest volume over replacement player in the league. Like, that... That says something. But even if we were to go even a little farther into it, right? Let's take a look at his shooting percentages. Here's the scary thing about Luka Doncic. Other than the three-point line, there's nowhere. And I'm, I'm doing this by distance, by the way. There's nowhere that he shoots under 50% from. Zero to three feet. He shoots 74%. 3 to 10 feet, 50%. 10 to 16 feet, 52%. And then 16 feet to the three-point line, 57%. Like, we have never seen something like this from a 20-year-old. Hell, we've honestly never seen something like this in general. This is pretty scary. And a lot of people's not going to want to talk about it. A lot of people's not going to want to admit it. But... Let's face facts. Like, let's really face facts. Dude's playing point guard and he's 6'7", 220 pounds. 
at point guard and shooting guard. Averaging nine rebounds and nine assists. In all honesty, 10 rebounds because it's 9.8, but, you know, that's here or there. And the dude's averaging 30 a game. Like, can we really say that there's honestly, like, somebody in the league that's clear-cut better than Luka right now? Like, even if you were to look at his game highs for this season, right, his highest game score, 37.4. Highest amount of points he scored thus far, 42. Okay. Most assists that he's gotten in a game this season, 15. Most rebounds, 18. Like, it's not like the dude is, like, his highs are pretty damn high. Like, his highs are pretty damn high. Now, once again, that's not to say that um he's... Like I said, it's it's not to say that, you know, he's the end-all, be-all. Because I really try not to believe in that type of thing. But what I will definitely say is, you look at Luka right now, and it's, it's scary. Like, this is how dangerous this dude is, right? His defensive rating is good. It's a 105. That's a good defensive rating. 110, when you're in the 110 area... It's roughly average. When you're in 105, you're good. When you're 100 or under, you're pretty damn excellent. He's at a 105, so he's good defense. His offensive rating is a 120. I'm going to say that again so that, you know, maybe all of everybody can hear me. His offensive rating is a 120. Um, hello? That's, that's a big deal. Like, that's an extremely big deal, especially for a 20-year-old. Let me lay it down to you this way. Kobe Bryant has played in the league for 20 years. He's never had a 120 offensive rating for a year. Luca is on pace to do that this year. He's on pace to have one of the greatest offensive seasons of all time. In all honesty, the greatest sophomore season of all time. And one of the most efficient seasons of all time. And it's extremely scary. And a lot of people don't want to talk about that. A lot of people, like, I'm a diehard Kobe Bryant fan. I can tell you things about Kobe Bryant that you just might not know um, on court, right? It's what, but what Luca's doing right now is, how do you, how do you top something like that? Like, you, you really have to sit back and realize what this kid is doing right now. Now, I'm not trying to be one of those people that's, you know, hopping aboard the Luka train or anything like that, but LeBron James in his second year was not doing this. Michael Jordan in his first three years was not doing this. Like, 
Now, granted, I don't want to really count Michael's second year that much. He only played 18 games. He was injured, you know, so on and so forth. But if you count Michael's first two healthy seasons, he was not doing this. You can take some of the greatest players in NBA history, right, and look at their offensive rating and their defensive rating in the same year, and it doesn't quite balance out the way Lucas does. And a lot of people are going to try and, you know, give me some flack for that, and that's okay. But in all honesty... Two of the only players I can think of, at least off the top of my head, is LeBron James and Michael Jordan that have had an offensive rating and a defensive rating a year or or couple years that has been this good as Luka Doncic is doing right now. Now, I'm going to now move over to Giannis. Okay, Giannis is... <laughs> Giannis is scary, right? Like, Giannis is extremely scary right now. Giannis has the highest, or technically the lowest, we'll just say best, defensive rating in the league right now at a 96. Remember how I said 110 is average, 105 is good. When you're 100, you're, you know, extremely good on defense. He's at a 96. Best in the league right now. And he has a one uh, 117 offensive rating. Oh, and I'm sorry, folks. Let me let me backtrack for a second and also throw Giannis into that list because last year Giannis had a 121 offensive rating and a 99 defensive rating. Yeah. Um that's how good Giannis is, folks, okay? Giannis is really just that guy right now. So, let's take a couple of uh let's take a couple of statistics and and you know, look at what Giannis is doing, you know, and and just just take it in. Right, so field goals. In terms of how many field goals have been made this season, Giannis is number one. Right? Even if now let's uh let's take into account of it's not a thing of uh what is going on so much as how he's making them, just the fact that he's making them. A lot of people need to realize that when it comes down to people like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, th- when people who have relatively high offensive ratings a lot of times that are prolific scorers are not shooters. Right? Like, if you were to put... Giannis into a position where he has to be like Kawhi Leonard on the outside, he's not going to be able to do it. Not saying that Kawhi is an end-all-be-all shooter, but 
throughout Kawhi's career, he has been a pretty good three-point shooter. He's just been very under the radar. But even if we were to backtrack, let's say, and I, I, I want to name shooters who are not um, prolific shooters. They're not people who rely on shooting too much, you know. So I'm going to say people like Vince Carter, like Kawhi Leonard, like Jason Richardson. Uh, there's a name that a lot of people don't remember <laughs> or don't bring up, at least, Jason Richardson. But those type of players, right? You can't put Giannis out there and think that he's going to do what they do, which is why he'll go to the inside as much as possible. But that's neither here nor there. Now, um, Giannis right now, like I said, he's he's dominating um, in a way that we we have not seen from a foreign player. And I'm not saying he's playing better than certain foreign players. I'm not saying that he's played better than a prime Hakeem Olajuwon. What I am saying is that he's being more aggressive, more dominant, more uh, fearing than any other um, you know, international player that we've ever seen. In all honesty, with the way that he's playing right now, there's only one player that I can think of that was probably more dominant than Giannis, and it was Shaquille O'Neal, and it was because Shaq was just all-out powerful. The dude was breaking backboards and, you know, destroying uh, courts, basically. Like, you know, the the episode in, uh, in Los Angeles, you know, Shaq dunked it, the whole court came down, and then they had to raise it back up, you know, that whole thing. Um, I don't really know he, you know, breaking the backboard. Yeah, we don't have to talk about it. You know what Shaq did. It's Shaq. But at any rate, now Giannis isn't out there doing that, but that's also because these rims and backboards have come a very long way. They learned their lesson from Shaquille O'Neal and Daryl Dawkins. Okay? So it's going to be hard to do something like that. However, what we are seeing is that when Giannis is coming through, a lot of people get the hell out of the way. The reason why is because nobody wants that issue. Nobody wants to have to face that issue. Especially not head on. You honestly would have to be... I don't care, it's my show, I'm going to say it, bad shit crazy. To want to deal with that type of issue. If you do, well, hey, all power to you. I hope you make it out. In one piece. Can't guarantee that you will. But I sure hope so. I wish death on nobody. But Lord. Imagine that. Imagine seeing that on your gravesite. Rest in peace. Killed by a Greek god. Wow. Now. We're going to get into. Uh, a certain player. <laughs> named James Harden. Boy, oh boy, James Harden. Okay, so the narrative is that James Harden only scores all these points because of free throws, right? But he just had a 55-point game where he only shot five free throws that game. You do realize his second nickname is El Chapo. Of course, we all know him by the beard. His other nickname was El Chapo. 
<laughs> um, yeah, I don't want to face off with a guy with that nickname. I don't know about you guys, but I don't. <clears throat> this dude right now is averaging 38.7 points per game with, you know, seven and a half assists, six rebounds, and two steals. Well, here's the thing. With 38.7 points per game that he's averaging, he's also going to the free throw line 14 times a game. Don't get me wrong, he's making a high amount of it with 12.3, but come on. 14 times a game. But here's why I can't knock it. Because there's actually an adjusted stat for free throws, right? Um, and if you take free throws away from these players, if you take away free throws from every single player in the league, James Harden still leads the league in scoring, and it's not really that close. Luka and Giannis are second and third, I believe. But James Harden, even if you take away his free throw attempts, forget the makes, just take away his free throw attempts, right? He's averaging 38.7, we'll call it 39 points per game. If you take away his 14 attempts from him, guess what, folks? He still averages 25 points per game. That's without shooting a single free throw. 25 points per game, which puts him, I think, at, that will put him at, I can't remember if, if it was like 9 or 10th, but he would either be the, in between 8, 9, or 10 rank in the league if he was to not shoot one free throw a game and everybody else did shoot free throws, he would still be ranked in the top 10 scores. Anybody feel threatened yet? Like, at all? All right. Here's the other thing about James Harden, folks. He's also shooting 14 threes a game. I'm sorry, I had to take a moment of silence for the ball. Lord knows that James Harden probably killed it with how many times he shoots. I mean, for God's sakes, he shoots 24 times a game and 14 times are threes. But can we just use our imaginations for a second? Imagine if Prime Steph Curry took 14 threes per game. Now, last year, James Harden was at 13.2. So, it's really not that much of a difference um, at all. <laughs> at all. But here's the thing, right? He's taking 14 threes per game. Steph Curry, at his max, took 11.7. When he took those 11.7 three-pointers a game, he averaged 27 points per game. 
When he took 11.2, he averaged 30 per game. That was that amazing season that he had when he led the league in points. He uh, led the league in steals. He led the league in free throws. He led the league in three-point. Steph Curry, he led the league in a lot of things. That was also the year that he got that, you know, that 3-1 comeback that LeBron and Kyrie did and just, like, took the Warriors out and, you know, stole their hearts. But at any rate, back to James Harden. Um, you're taking 14 threes a game and you're shooting 14 free throws a game, right? So just so we can um, – just so we can put that into perspective, right? If you account how many threes or how many points he could he could score off of three pointers plus his free throws, that would be fifty six points per game right there. That's not including two point shots, ladies and gentlemen. The 10 twos that he takes again. Yeah, that's not including that. If we were to include that, it would be 76. So out of a possible 76, he's scoring 39. Doesn't seem as impressive anymore, does it? For the simple fact that he's only halfway of where he could be. Doesn't seem as impressive, however, still very impressive. If you ever have to ask why that's still impressive, then there's a couple of things that you just might be overlooking. So right now he's at 38.7 points per game, right? Let's take one of the greatest scorers of all time, okay? I'm talking about the man, the myth, the legend, Air Jordan himself. Okay, let's take Mike for example. Now, Mike has had had has had a season where he shot twenty five point seven times per game. Just in case, if nobody caught that, I will say it again. 25.7 times per game. He averaged 32.6 points. So Mike shot an extra shot. He was shooting an extra shot per game. Every single game. Then James Harden. And... He still would be almost six points under. Yep, that's why we. Uh, that's why uh, James Harden is well as unstoppable as he is right now. Because even though he's not taking the most amount of shots, even though he's not taking the Michael Jordan amount of shots. He's in that same area, so it really doesn't matter. But he's still having a higher scoring output than Michael Jordan. That doesn't say anything? 
Like, I mean, a lot of people would would act like they're not really impressed, but how how do you not be impressed? His offensive rating is a 122, by the way. So Luka Doncic is two offensive rating points away from James Harden. I just wanted to throw that out there. I, but at, at the same time, once again, I'm being objective. I'm not putting one player ahead of the other. I'm just throwing a couple of things out there. Now, you can do with that what you want. It's completely up to you. You can do with that whatever you want to. I don't blame you whatsoever. But we're I'm going to turn the page for a second. I'm going to look at uh Mr. Donovan Mitchell. And the reason why um I'm actually bringing up Donovan is because he's actually one of my more favorite players to watch in the league. Um he's a good defender, he's a good offensive player. Um you know, he's not afraid to guard the best perimeter player and he damn sure lives to take over the game on offense. Uh, so, you know, we get to see that with Donovan. And it's a little exciting just for the simple fact of, you know, we get to see that that dog inside of him. Right? And he's not afraid to, to show it at all. Now, the thing that disappoints me right now isn't Donovan himself. It's the Utah Jazz. Like they they are very um <clears throat> underwhelming. They're fourteen and eleven right now. Just beat the Timberwolves, and it's it's not. I'm 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 trying to wrap my head around what is going on with Joe Ingles. He's shooting thirty eight point eight percent field goal percentage, not three point field goal in general. This is bad. This is worst three-point shooting year of his career. He's only shooting 33% from the from the three-point line. Right? Now, on average, we would say, hey, that's not bad for a power forward slash small forward. Yeah, but it is if your name's Joe Ingles. See, because last year he was shooting 39%. The year before that, 40%. Or uh, 44%. The year before that, 44%. The year before that, 38.6%. This year, he's at 33%. That is horrible. Compared to what we are used to seeing, that is absolutely horrible. There has to be something that gives. And whatever it is, he needs to figure it out. ASAP because if he doesn't, Utah's in big trouble. Like, even if you look at his ratings, he's having his worst year. Okay, I mean, he averages about like a 105, 106 uh, defensive rating. I think it's actually a 106 eight averages. So he's at his average number for defensive rating. However, he also averages a 110 offensive rating throughout his career. Right now, he's at a 103, which is his worst since his rookie year. It's it's not looking great for him um, in any way, shape, or form. 
Okay, his true shooting percentage is a 52. His PER is a 9.9. He's not even in double digits for PER. Like, Joe Ingles is not who he needs to be right now. His, his offensive box, granted, they have a winning record. His offensive box plus minus is negative 0.7. He has to figure out what's going on with him. And he needs to fix it. Because if he doesn't, once again, like Utah is going to be in trouble. They're playing him 28 minutes per game for him not even to put up double-digit numbers. Like he's averaging eight points per game. And like there's literally been 16 games where. And now, and once again, here comes perspective. He's played 25 games this season, right? So far. Out of those 25 games, 16 of them, he only scored 0 to 9 points. That's extremely horrible. Okay, there's been 13 games where he didn't get one steal, 23 games where he didn't get one block. Like, this is it's, it's not a good look for Joe Ingles. Now, granted, his last game against Minnesota, he went he, he did pretty good. He had twenty three points. If I'm gonna elaborate any farther, he had five rebounds and five assists. But from the beginning of the season to right now, like let like just listen to his his scoring. Seven, two, eight, three, ten, six, nine, sixteen, one let me just say that one more time. One in a game that he played 20 minutes in. Um, 11, 3, 5, 12, 3, 3, 3, 15, 12, 6, 6, 13, 4, 12, 9, 23. Those have been Joel Eagle's scoring numbers throughout this season. And, um, yeah, Utah needs to do something about this. Point blank, period. Um... If I was Utah, I would try and beat Portland to the punch of trying to get Kevin Love. And the reason why is because if you get a Kevin Love, you don't have to worry about those slumps that Joe Ingles has been going in and out of. You don't have to worry about them. Kevin Love can shoot the three ball. Kevin Love can rebound good. Kevin Love can put the ball in the hole. Especially on the inside. Kevin Love is still lengthy. He's still long. Okay, he can still grab a rebound over somebody's head if he wants to. I would get Kevin Love on my team ASAP if I was a Utah Jazz. I'll put enough, a strong enough offer, strong enough trade package to go and get Kevin Love out of Cleveland and into your uniforms. With that being said, do I think you're going to do it better than Portland? No. Because Portland right now, they look like they're getting, they're, they're redeveloping their swagger. Especially now that they got Carmelo Anthony. Next thing you know, we're going to see a whole bunch of hooded trailblazers on the court. Lord knows how that's going to end up. We all see what Hoodie Mellow could do.
But, once again, I digress. I'm trying to be as subjective as possible. Um, but I think, all in all, it comes down to a place of, are you ready? And if the, uh, if the answer is no, I'm not ready... And, and I'll get into this in a minute. If the answer is no, I'm not ready. And this is what Portland and Utah both have to do. Um, they have to ask themselves, are we ready? Are we ready to put together these these trade packages to get a Kevin Love? It's, it's already you know been passed around from ear to ear, from mouth to mouth, that uh, he's ready to get out of Cleveland. Okay. Cleveland has nothing to build with. He's ready to leave. Can you blame him? Absolutely not. But now Denver and Utah, both, I'm sorry, not Denver, um, Utah and Portland both have to um, ask themselves, are we ready? Because if not, there's somebody that's willing to pull the trigger and get this guy. If you know that you're a front runner, a front runner, then pull the trigger. That's all it's really going to come down to. Now, the next thing that I wanted to uh, touch bases on was actually uh, Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers. Right? So, getting into the whole, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard thing um, and the load management and all this other stuff. So we've we've seen this man limp from time to time on the court because he's playing while injured, right? Because he's not um, healthy all the way. Okay, now league the league is trying to put pressure on the Clippers because they don't fully believe that Kawhi Leonard is injured anymore, and the problem is is because Kawhi Leonard put on such a show. Um, during his run with the Raptors, he put on such a show that it made him look like he was absolutely fine. But go back to the Milwaukee Bucks series. Go back a couple games in the uh, Philadelphia series. There's times where you see him limping during those two series. And it's not because, you know, um, he's, you know, trying to uh, create the narrative it's more of a thing of okay i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna play i'm injured this is playoffs it's it's do or die but in the regular season he shouldn't have to worry about that now granted i get it the fans want to uh see premier players when they come out to play like the the fans are gonna want to see that regardless we get it but is that more important than the guy's health like is it? Because if I was, you know, the commissioner of the league, if I was Adam Silver, I would say, okay, well, let's get something established, okay? Let's get detailed reports. You know, let's keep up with this. And let's moderate it so we can give the fans what they want and Kawhi can still get some of the rest that he needs, which is also why, you know, He's been averaging 31.2 minutes per game, which is not heavy minutes. It's moderate for a superstar. He's averaging 25 points, 
Okay, almost two steals. Seven points that we'll call it almost eight rebounds and five assists per game. He's he's averaging five point three assists per game. Like this is his all time high right now. Okay, like he's he's averaging an all time high in rebounds. He's averaging an all time high in uh, in assists. Okay, Kawhi Leonard is still out there balling. There's just not going to be any question about it. But he's doing it while he's not 100% healthy. Now, ask yourself this question. What if Kawhi was 100% healthy right now? Like, could you imagine how dangerous this man would be? Like, from from beginning to right now, right? Um, I'll, I'll give you some stats on Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and I'll keep it with the points. 30, 21, 27, 30, 38, 30, 27, 12. Now, I also want to say that with that 12, he had an absolutely horrible game. Um, Toronto Raptors still won, but boy, did he have a uh, a bad game. Even though he still ended up plus 12, um, he, he played exceptional defense. No, he was still Kawhi Leonard, but he was a very less scoring version <laughs> of Kawhi Leonard. Anyways, 27, 12, 26, 17, 24, 26, 28, 19. Okay. And that was a loss against the San Antonio Spurs, where he, he shot pretty bad, 8 for 23. That was that was not good uh, whatsoever. He had 7 assists, 7 rebounds, 19 points. So he didn't have a horrible stat line whatsoever. He just did not shoot good. Um, 34, 11, and that was a win against Portland, you know, where he only played, uh, you know, he only played 28 minutes, but he shot three for 15. Like Kawhi has had a a few bad shooting games, um, you know, against Milwaukee, the game right after he shot five for 14, bad shooting game. Um, but it gets to a point where. You you gotta make sure that your player is okay. And the Clippers are trying to do that with Kawhi Leonard. They're trying. Uh the league's not gonna let him do it like that. And it's because they saw what we saw um in the playoffs. And when you see something like that, it's like, ooh. It's not fun. So then, right, you get to switch the narrative and be like, oh, you know, Paul George. Which is completely fine, you know, if you do that. Because we uh, we want to give Batman, that's, that's one of his nicknames, Batman. Um, we want to give him a little bit of incentive. Right? So, Paul George... Okay, has had four games where he sh- where he scored at least thirty points. Um, you know, he's had five where he's had at least twenty points. Now we're we're talking in terms of ten. So, you know, zero to nine months, ten to nineteen months, twenty nine, or twenty to twenty nine, and thirty to thirty nine. <laughs> but at any rate, with Paul George, it's like okay, wow. Nobody 
you know, brought it up in conversation. So if we, if we had to take a couple of things away from Paul George, right, it would be a thing of, well, let's look at his scoring for a second. Because remember, he, he missed the first 11 games. So when he came back in, you know, he got 33, 37, 18, 25, uh, 19, 18, 26, 22, 5. And, you know, for the fact that he only scored five points in 32 minutes, you know, that, that says something. You know, he had a bad shooting game um, against the Spurs, just like how Kawhi Leonard did. Um, 31, 25, 13, 27, 36, 13. And usually star players don't get 13s. They don't get 5s. You know, you see them on average put up that 25, 30-point game, which Paul George is more than capable of doing. But the Clippers have to figure everything out. Um, And then when they do, they're going to be unstoppable. If I was the Clippers, I would have tried to go for uh, Hassan Whiteside before, you know, because, I mean, Portland has him now, so it really doesn't make a difference. But when I had the opportunity, I would have went for Hassan Whiteside. It's just for the simple fact that if you got Hassan on your team, along with those Clippers, with, you know, Harold and Beverly and Leonard and George and the boys, you know, you, you've got some... Uh, you you've got some problems. <laughs> you have definitely got some problems. But um, you know, I think all in all, there has to be a time where people look at the Utah Jazz and say, "Hey, you wanna what? I think my cookies are not what they need to be." And that's just what it is. And if they don't come out the way that they need to be. Rebake them. That's all you gotta do. Hey, I don't think my game is the way that it needs to be. If your game's not where it needs to be, polish it. There has to be a time where you look at what's failing and you switch it. You flip it. You find a way to redefine it. If you don't, you'll fall to it. And you're not a victim because you were able to bring change. And you didn't do it. With that being said, I think that uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. Um, next episode, I'm more than happy to uh, touch bases on a few more NBA teams. And I definitely... Would like, uh, you know, to talk a little bit more about the Washington Wizards, the Denver Nuggets, and, uh, you know, I, the New York Knicks. It's just like the New York Knicks, uh, as well as the Brooklyn Nets. Because it's uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. He's, oh, man. Like, the situation is dumbfounded. Completely dumbfounded, especially with Kyrie out and Kevin Durant out for, you know, Katie's out for, you know, roughly the season. Uh, as where Kyrie Irving is, you know, he's taking the sideline for for a while. Um, 
But once again, feel free to turn into or tune into the next episode because there's definitely going to be some jewels I'm going to drop for you guys. And I want to say that I appreciate every single one of you. Okay, from the top of my head to the bottom of my heart. Thank you for uh, supporting this enough to, to the point where I bring it back for a season two. And thank you for everybody who at least just listened. Uh, it means so much to me. So until next time, everybody have a great night.